Beloved congregation, the Lord Jesus Christ, as I said this morning, we were looking at this first three verses, that this is, as the title says, a song, a psalm of thanksgiving, thanksgiving to the Lord. We are called to be a people of thanksgiving. And one of the things that the doctrine of providence teaches us that God is in control of all things. Therefore, we can be thankful uh, when we go through the difficult times, patient and adversity, thankful and prosperity. It doesn't mean that you're not thankful when you go through adversity. We are to be thankful always. The Apostle Paul speaks about this in Ephesians 5. We are to be thankful in everything. Uh, the Apostle then writes in 1 Thessalonians, we are to be thankful for everything as well. So in everything and for everything, we're to be a people that gives thanks unto the Lord. The psalmist laments about this, uh, that men would give thanks uh, to the Lord for his wondrous works to the children of men, for all that he does, uh, just simply that he is the creator and provider for all mankind, that men would give thanks to the Lord. Men essentially are unthankful to God. They are unthankful when things go well. They are unthankful when things don't go well. They are not a people that give thanks to the Lord. This is the unbeliever in Romans 1. They will not give God thanks. Their heart is hardened towards Him. But not the believer. The believer now is one who walks in a thankful life. Now we're not as thankful as we ought to be. We understand that because of sin still within us. But nevertheless... We are a thankful people to the Lord. Um, this makes a distinction between us and the unbelieving world, doesn't it? This is a different direction of our life. My life is not perfect. I understand that. Practically, I fall short in every area and aspect of my life. But it's different than what I once was as an unbeliever. That's the lament, though, isn't it? Because we have the beginning of eternal joy. And because we have the beginning of eternal joy... Then we struggle with what Paul speaks about in Romans 7. Knowing the things we ought to do and we don't do them. And the things what we ought not to do and we do them. And Paul laments, who will deliver me from this body of death? The unbeliever doesn't delight in the law of God. It's the believer who delights in the law of God. But yet he finds no power of himself to fulfill that which he delights in. And he laments about that. As I said in this morning that the apostle struggles with knowing that he is not who he once was as a pagan. But yet he is not who he will be in glory. And so the in-between, the being sanctified, the growing in grace, the repentance, the always turning and confessing our sin and struggle, the fighting, uh, that's where we live right now as Christians. And it's difficult it, it can be that which is taxing upon us, tiresome to us. It's called a fight. We are fighting the good fight of faith. We are running the race that is set before us. We are the farmer, the soldier, the athlete. We are to be patient and long-suffering in this world, waiting upon the coming of the Lord. And so, being thankful can be a struggle in an unthankful world. But this is what we are called to, and this is what the psalm speaks of. I'm reminded of uh, Luke chapter 17. There were ten lepers, and they were crying out to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon us. 
And so Jesus heals them of their leprosy. And he says, go show yourself to the priests and tell them what great things God has done for you. And they ran off. And one returned to give him thanks. Notice Jesus makes mention of that. Were there not ten who were healed? Where are the other nine? They didn't wait around to say thanks to Jesus. I'm sure they were elated to be healed. I'm sure that there was great excitement that they were no longer lepers. But they didn't give the Lord thanks. And Jesus makes mention of that. And the one that did give thanks, this is biting irony towards the Jews, the one that did give thanks was a Gentile. Only this one came back to give thanks. So, make note of that. How in our lives that we are so unthankful. Or we don't demonstrate or acknowledge a thankful heart to God by giving Him praise. Thanking Him in all things and for all things. So, knowing the Lord through His Word causes us to be more and more of a thankful people. Beloved, you cannot reflect upon what you have been delivered from and not be thankful. You can't stop and meditate for a moment to know and understand that each one of us has earned. We have earned it. This wasn't a slip. This was us earning damnation. We deserve the punishment of God, the wrath of God to come upon us. You know, when we talk about Romans 9, uh, looking back to the Old Testament with Jacob and Esau, um, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. You know, the, the problem and the confusion is that Jacob I have loved. Jacob wasn't any better than Esau, but God set his love and affection upon him. You know, a lot of people have problems with that. Uh, Esau, I have hated. I don't have a problem with that. We deserve to be hated. We have earned that hatred from God, the wrath of God. The wonder ought to be that God has set his love upon you, that God has forgiven you of all of your sins, that God has substituted his well-beloved spotless lamb to take your place, to bear the burden that was to come against all of us. That wrath which is inexpressible. The anguish and pains and terrors that Christ suffered in his soul on the cross and before. That's a wonder. And that ought to cause all of us to be a thankful people. And so uh, the, the psalmist gives the seven imperatives or commands. It's a mood of command. He commands us to, to make a joyful noise, to serve the Lord, to come before his presence, to know the Lord. And then the next one is... To enter into his gates with thanksgiving. This is a call then to corporate worship. And as we come to corporate worship, we come as a thankful people. Now, if you are going to be thankful, beloved, it's going to cause you to be reflective. You are going to have to reflect upon not only what God has done, but who God is. You see, I think we have a problem in this area that we love to be thankful when good things happen to us. And yet we forget about being thankful for who God is. God is righteous. God is holy. God is merciful. God is loving. He's beneficent. He's beneficent. 
He is one who provides for all of the things that are necessary for life and godliness. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. Think about this, that when you are engrafted into Christ, you receive all of Christ's benefits. So all the benefits, all the blessings in the heavenly places are now yours in Jesus Christ. God has done this. And this, the things that we receive are those which flow from his character. That he is a loving and merciful God. So, not only what, he, what we receive from him, but who he is as his being. That I, the Lord, I change not. God doesn't change his mind. You ever do business with somebody that changes all the time? It's one way, and the next way they change, and they change. I, I can't do business with people like that. That drives me crazy. It's back and forth, up and down, over here and over there. I mean, it's no stability. There is unstable as water. How can you deal with people like that? That's not God's character. God, as we would say in the vernacular, He means what He says, and He says what He means. And this is how we are to understand Him. So you can be thankful. So the psalmist says to enter in. To enter means to come. To come and to gather together. Again, not an option, but a command in the imperative mood. God commands us to enter his gates. Now, you think about the gates as something that you walk through. Um, We come through the narrow gate because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer on the broad road that leads to destruction. We don't enter through the wide gate that leads to destruction. We come in through the narrow gate now that leads to life. And so we gather as the people of God, knowing the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ, we enter before his presence. And we come with a thankful heart. Now, as I said, reflect upon God's character. Reflect upon the goodness of God. Essentially good. He is essentially good in his character. He is essentially loving in his character. He is essentially just in his character. And he is eternally and infinitely all of those attributes. That is a wonder, isn't it? That God is infinite and eternal in all of his attributes. And he is all of his attributes. So God is what's called uh, indivisible. He can't be divided up. So he doesn't have parts. He's simple in that sense. So God isn't, you know, a a slice of the pie over here, which is love, and the rest is wrath or anger. And that's not who God is. God is all of his attributes. He is, and I don't even know how to express this, he is all of his attributes, so he is as much love as he is much justice or righteous. This is the character of God. Now, I know we like to compartmentalize. I know we treat God often like a buffet style that we go and, well, you know, I'll have this and I'll have, but we'll hold that. And, and we divide him up in parts, but he cannot be divided into parts. We have to be thankful for that. We have to be thankful that God doesn't change. Can you imagine the, the, how the angst that we would have if the Lord, ah, you know, it was salvation by grace through faith in Christ, but I changed my mind. Now you've, you've got to do this. God doesn't change. So we can be thankful. Uh, to be thankful is to be expressive uh, towards one who has been benevolent towards you. Uh, oftentimes, that 
when we give something to somebody, it may not be that's deserving, um, and we render then thanks in return for them, or what they have given, or what they have done to us. Not as if you have deserved something, but out of the kindness, somebody then does something benevolent to you, or for you. And then you return with a thankful heart. We have a hard time, don't we, being thankful. Uh, just think about this, the thankful people towards one another. How well do you give thanks to each other for the little things? Because often it's not the great big things, it's the 10,000 little things that go on. How often are you thankful to people, to one another? We are to call to give thanks to each other. We have a difficulty because in that saying of thanks, what is veiled is how much do I owe you? You see, I don't want to be a person that is beholding to you. But you've done something for me. Uh, I, I want it to be even, right? So it's like I don't owe anybody. You don't owe when it's a gift. God calls you to be thankful for that. Now the difficulty that we have is we take that paradigm into our relationship with the Lord. And we think we have to do something to earn his favor. Beloved, Christ has earned the favor of God. You have favor with God. And you have favor with God in Jesus Christ. When you have Christ, you have all that is necessary to your salvation. You can't make yourself, listen, you cannot make yourself more favorable with God. Are you thankful for that? You can't work yourself into greater favor with the Lord. You have favor with God in Jesus Christ. He has earned the favor. And so be thankful. Be thankful that God sustained you. Be thankful that God watches over you, as the Belgian Confession said, with the paternal care. Be thankful that he cares for you body and soul. Be thankful that nothing will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Be thankful that Christ is your Savior, your Redeemer, your Shepherd, your Brother, your Friend. He is all of those things to His people. Be thankful of that because as the Shepherd, He's the one who guides. As the Shepherd, He's the one who feeds. As the Shepherd, He's the one who nourishes. He's the one who protects and defends. Think about the imagery that we have with David out with his sheep. David would defend his sheep when the bears came against the sheep or the lions came against the sheep. David fed the sheep. In other words, he led them into green pastures for them to eat. And he provided for them the nourishment that was needed. The Lord does the same for us. He cares for us body and soul. Sometimes we're stubborn that we don't eat. And I'm not talking about the physical food, the spiritual food. And yet the Lord provides that for us. Now, be thankful, beloved, that when we are stubborn and we don't want to eat the spiritual food, it's the Holy Spirit who is the seal of our redemption, works within us. And he, in, in that sense, He woos us, doesn't He? He is the one who works within us to draw us continually to the Word and bring that subtle conviction to the soul. Be thankful for that. Where would you be apart from the working of the Holy Spirit in your soul when you become stubborn about not wanting to do particular things with regards to the ways of the Lord? 
David was uh, stubborn. Can we be stubborn? We're a stubborn people, aren't we? We like to say, well, we're German. That's why we're stubborn. No, we're, we're stubborn because we're sinful people. No matter where your ethnic background is from, you, we're all stubborn people. We all have a stubborn, we all want to get our own way. And so David was stubborn uh, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then the child died and David was unrepentant for almost a year. And it was the Holy Spirit who needled the soul of David, brought him to a state that he was so discontent and dried up inside and a miserable man. That's the working of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And then he sent Nathan the prophet. Be thankful that the Lord sends people into our lives to rebuke us, to correct us, to admonish us. Where would we be? That's the thanksgiving to the Lord. Oftentimes we gather together on the Lord's Day and you're convicted by something that is said from the pulpit. I don't even know what's going on in your life and yet the Lord begins to convict you of something in your life and you begin to groan inside. Be thankful for that, beloved, because that is the correction that the Lord brings to His people. And that goes on continually. We ought to give thanks for that. We ought to give thanks for knowing That as Jesus said, uh, you are the sheep of my pasture and no one can snatch you out of my hand. That we are secure in Jesus Christ eternally. You know, as the hymn says, more happy in heaven, but not more safe. We are safe and secure, as safe and secure now as we would be in the kingdom of heaven, in glory. Why is that? Because we're in the hands of Christ. We go through turbulent times, but nothing could snatch us from the love of God. Be thankful for that. Be thankful that the Lord has a purpose in all the trials that He brings upon your life. Be thankful that He's conforming you, even in those trials, to the image of Jesus Christ. And be thankful that you don't even have to understand how He's working, but that He's working. And be thankful that you know that, beloved. Be thankful for the knowledge that He gives you. Be thankful for the work of wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives us discernment. We have, I mean, should I go on? There, there is so much to be thankful for. Because what do we deserve? We deserve damnation. And yet God gives us wondrous blessings to enjoy. So we enter in with thanksgiving to God. What would help us to, to enter in with a thankful heart is being reflective. Reflecting and remembering. And we're often told that in Scripture. To remember the ways of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember what the Lord did to these nations that He cast out before you. Remember. We often forget. We come to the Lord's table and it's remembering what Christ has done in our place, in our stead, on our behalf. It's a remembering. How often do we remember? Well, we're not a meditating type of a people and because we don't meditate, we fail to remember these things. And we often say, oh, I forgot about that. Because you don't roll it around in your mind. You know, when... uh, I don't know how it was like in, in the grade school, but I know when I first got to high school, you got your locker. Well, that was a big thing, wasn't it? That you got your own locker. And it, it had a combination. And so I remember writing it on my hand, my combination. And then put it on a piece of paper, and then you have it with you all the time, and you 
It didn't take long because you were at the locker so often and you were spinning that dial that you knew the numbers. And it became a part. It's just like a telephone number. You know, I can remember my, the telephone number of my parents when I was growing up. It was ingrained into us. We, we just simply would rehearse it all the time. Then they really messed me up and they changed the area code. But it was a remembrance of these things. And things that are fresh upon your mind are things that you don't forget. They're the things that are encircling your mind again and again. And you remember and you reflect and it takes you back and it causes you to be thankful. Remember how the Lord brought you through these difficult days. So we enter in with a thankful heart. And we enter in his courts. The courts is like coming into the building place, coming into a certain outer area. This is what the, the, the courts refer to. Um, and we come with the praise. Praise is to God. Being thankful and lifting up our voices in song to Him. Praising Him. Praising Him for His mighty acts among the children of men. Praise Him in His sanctuary. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We praise Him with the timbrel and the harp. We are to be a people that give the Lord praise. Singing His praise. You know, uh, we, we live in a world of such diversity in music. What music will there be in the kingdom of heaven? There will be music. There will be praise. But what will it be? I can guarantee you, beloved, that it will be no man-centered songs. We will not be singing songs to one another because praise is to God, not to man. Oftentimes we sing and we hear songs and we like songs And I I get it. I understand it. But they're man-centered. They're all about man and the glory of man and the wisdom of man, the strength of man. But in Kevin, it won't be that way. It'll be the praise and the glory of our God. So the church, think about the church, the people of God are the only ones that sing praise to God. How's your praise when you're outside of the corporate worship? How's your praise in private? Your praise corporately is directly a reflection of your praise in private. That if we don't sing to the Lord, even during the week, when we gather together on the Lord's Day, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Because you've been singing the country song all week long, and then when you come to, oh, I've got to shift gears now. now. Now it's a different thing I've got to sing now. We're not to be like that. We're not to cultivate those things, to cultivate the things of the Lord. So we enter into his courts with praise. We come with a thankful heart and a heart of praise, praising God for his mighty acts. Be thankful to him. Are you thankful to the Lord? If I gave you an exercise, would you be able to fulfill it? The exercise would be, Go home, sit down, take out a piece of paper and write down 10 particular things that you are thankful to the Lord for. Now let me ask you this. Do you think you could come up with 10? Would you stall out about five? Would you say, I I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to be thankful for. That is a people that's not reflective We are to be thankful to God. And if we struggle with thanks 
to one another, how much more do we struggle with our thanksgiving to God? Be thankful to Him and bless His name. A blessing of His name is an honoring of His name. Blessing His name is exalting His name. Blessing His name is using His name in fear and reverence. It's the using of His name in a reverential way. Our world uses the name of God as a household swear word. They use the name of Jesus, slings it around like it can be used as a curse word towards people. And you're hearing it more and more. It's intensifying. Why? Because the world is becoming less and less just even conscientious of the words that they use in taking God's name in vain. That ought not to be with the Christian. Uh, We ought to be thoughtful of how we use the name of God. It's a holy name. Uh, That ought to be taken on our lips, not lightly, but with reverence, with adoration. Because this is the God we love. When I was going to school, one of the things growing up used to be a big thing, have no idea if it is today, is when somebody would speak ill about your mother. And it used to be said in this way, you know, your mama. Those are fighting words. It was directly attacking one's mother. And people were ready to fight about that, but we hear God's name taken in vain, frivolously, as a household swear word. People say nothing. Those shows, you know, you can, you can almost expect on those shows where they have a, a, some kind of a makeover of a home that somebody is going to use God's name in a vain, frivolous way. They're, oh my God. It's what you hear all the time with people. Right? That's not a, a term, that's not a phrase of worship. That's an expression that somebody is using and it is violating the third commandment. It's taking the name of the Lord in vain. So, bless his name. We bless his name in song. We bless his name when we gather together and we lift up his name in songs of praise and adoration. And oftentimes in the Psalms, it's explaining, it's declaring, it's, it's speaking again and remembering and reflecting upon God's works to the children of men. That's praise to our God. So, you have your exercise then, your homework to go home and sit down and reflect upon the things that you are thankful to God for. And uh, if you can't get past four or five, you really need to do some soul work then, don't you? You really need to get into the Word of God. You need to pray and ask the Lord to stimulate you, to revive you, to strengthen you, to help you. Because something is not right if you can only think of four or five things to be thankful to God for. For the Lord is good. Notice the why of the praise and thanksgiving to God. God is good. Beloved, God is good essentially. God is good always. I have a friend that often says, you know, when things happen, you know, God is good. Yes, amen. But be careful in saying that God is good only when things happen well for you. So you travel and and the Lord brings you from point A to point B and you arrive there safely. And it's proper, beloved, to say God is good. 
But if you didn't get to point B and you died halfway there, is God still good? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? We get into a mode of saying that God is only good when things happen the way that you have planned them. And yet God is good even in our death. God is always good and He always does good. God cannot do evil. God is not the author of evil. He certainly ordains it, but He's not the author of evil. And to attribute anything to, of evil to God is utter blasphemy. So, for the Lord is good, and He is good always, and His mercy is everlasting. Again, giving thanks and praise to God for His mercy. What does His mercy refer to? Mercy is, is not getting what you deserve. You reflect upon that. Hesed is the Hebrew term. It's God's loving kindness, loving faithfulness, covenant faithfulness to His people. We deserve God's wrath. I deserve pain and sorrow and torment all the days of my life. I deserve to be dropped into the pit of hell. I've earned that. I've merited that. The wages of sin is death. It's torment. This is what my wages, this is what my labor in this world has earned. And yet, God withholds that. His mercy is everlasting towards His people. Um, God's mercy is new every day. Great is His faithfulness towards us. Lamentations 3. So God withholds punishment that is due us, and His mercy is not taken away from us in Jesus Christ. Christ has earned the mercy of God for us. So God doesn't give me what I deserve. He gives me grace. What does that mean? He gives me what I don't deserve. He doesn't give me what I deserve. He withholds that mercy. He gives me what I don't deserve. Grace. He gives me Christ. He gives me all the blessings in the heavenly places. He gives me all the merits of Jesus Christ. All of His satisfaction, holiness, and righteousness is imputed to me. He has given that to me. God is wondrous. His mercy is everlasting. It doesn't come to an end towards His people. He will always be merciful towards His people. And so the psalmist goes on and he says that God's truth endures to all generations. God sustains His word from generation to generation. Uh, you, you think about this, we think of how long 500 years is. And we look back and we think about the reformers. And as uh, John Calvin and Martin Luther and Bullinger and Zwingli and Melanchthon and Echolampadius and all the other different reformers. Uh, Luther and, and, and as they were shaking and moving things in, uh, with, with their doctrine and they were really beginning to turn things upside down in their generation. Uh, that that truth which they proclaimed and which they believed is what we proclaim and believe today. Isn't it a wonder? And you go back even further than that and the gospel that's being preached to you today is the gospel that the Apostle Paul preached because God's truth endures to all generations. It doesn't change. Let's give thanks to God that His truth doesn't change. 
that his truth remains the same forever. Truth doesn't change. The world might be changing, but the truth does not change. And so we can give thanks to him that every generation uh, we have the truth of God. God sustains his word. He is the one who has given us his word so that another generation comes and another generation hears the preaching of the gospel and he brings another generation of people to faith in Jesus Christ and they pass from the scene and the torch of the gospel continues to be passed and the preaching of God's truth continues and remains. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my truth will never pass away. It endures forever. Beloved, there is, in five verses, we have, a, we have a bucket full of things for which we can give thanks to the Lord. And when you begin piggybacking one thing upon another, in other words, this mercy of God leads to giving thanks to the grace of God. This giving thanks to the grace of God causes me to reflect upon the object of my faith, Jesus Christ which causes me to reflect upon the, the uh, inexpressible anguish and pains that he suffered in my place, which causes me to give thanks that he fulfilled all the demands of the law in my place, which causes me to give thanks that before the foundation of the world, in the mind of God, to send his dearly beloved son the greatest gift that could ever be received so that he would give his life a ransom for many. It causes me to give thanks that he did this, that it was well-pleasing to the Lord, and he would see his seed, and he would be satisfied. And it causes me to give thanks that he is led in his train, and he set the captives free, and now we are a free people, free from the bondage of Satan and sin, to live under righteousness, to live for the glory of God. Which causes me to give thanks that we know the truth and the whole world is in darkness and lies and deception and under the rule of Satan. And we are those that are led by our captain, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the truth, knowing the truth, dwelling in the light, which causes us to give thanks that we can evangelize and we can bring that light to the rest of the world in darkness and we can illumine and light up the darkness. It just goes on, piggybacking, one thing after another. And this leads to that, and that leads to this, and going on, and it just keeps going. And it keeps getting deeper and broader. And you become overwhelmed. And what do you do? Praise the Lord. You sing His praise. You sing His doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So remember, beloved, remember the psalm of thanksgiving. Shout to the Lord. Serve Him with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know Him. Know Him through His word. Enter into His gates and into His courts. Be thankful to the Lord. Because God is good and His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. We are to be a thankful people. Amen. Shall we pray?